0: Hello, and welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast. On this show, we bring you interviews with leading executives at today's rapidly growing B2B tech companies. We dissect the stories, strategies, and journey of CEOs, COOs, CMOs, and more as they share their professional journey. Tune in each week for new episodes from today's leaders. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B tech companies build and run revenue-generating podcasts. We set you up with weekly interviews with your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up and have engaging conversations, we handle everything else. Learn more about launching your podcast at contentallies.com. This episode is
1: brought to you by Ad One Zero, where we do lead to close sales execution for B2B services companies with a technology flair. If you're looking to scale your company from six figures to seven figures of revenue, talk to Add One Zero. Hey, leaders, welcome back. This is Ledge. As you know, I am managing partner and co-founder of Add One Zero. And our guest today is Dale Hanna. He's the CEO and founder of Foresight Intelligence. This is a really interesting business I want to learn more about. Dale, I never give the whole intro and try to pretend I know everything about your world and your business. So introduce yourself to the audience as well as your business, please.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Ledge. So I, uh, I'm engineered by training. I, I came from ERP space. So Foresight Intelligence was uh, funded in 2009, uh, end of 2009, to uh, provide BI, business intelligence uh, services. And uh, it just so happened that one of our first big customer was uh, equipment manufacturer, huge equipment manufacturer company. And so we got into the equipment space. So we helped a lot of equipment dealers do better through business intelligence, through data. So one of the sort of uh, direction we were given from the manufacturer was help our dealers to be better through data. So that's what we did uh, since 2009. And because we have done a great job, so our dealers uh, started to uh, introduce us to their customers. So in this case, is uh, contractors, people who build roads, mining, bridges, pipelines, all kinds of infrastructure. So we started a new portion of it called fleet intelligence. So that's essentially what's called IoT. So telematics. So we track big equipment, mostly Caterpillar, John Deere, Komatsu, all the, all the big yellow irons you see, and the tools and all the pieces. So we use our data expertise and moved into the IoT space. So uh, it's been a it's been a very interesting journey.
1: And IoT is data on the edge essentially now that there's all the sensors all over the place and it's it's miniaturized and you're bringing cloud to the edge so there's all kinds of chatter now in the news and I'm I'm always curious what that actually looks like on the ground because you know it, it the words change and yet you know uh, you don't even hear people talk about BI and big data as much anymore now it's you know now it's telematics and IoT and data on the edge and I you also know, just curious how that actually looks in business because you know like when, you, <laughs> when you when you don't get to you know you just change what's on your website but it's you've been doing it since 2009 none of those words even existed then so uh yes yeah, yes I'd love to hear the story a little bit about that
2: yeah so 2009 when we started was BI uh, yes you're right let it's mentioned less mostly we were dealing with human data human entered data right so we link up multiple systems um, like business systems and CRM, but all those data were put in by people, right? So that's what we're dealing with. And we were thinking, wow, we got huge amount of data. We, we got huge data, multiple gigs, right? <laughs> it was huge data back
1: then. Yeah, right. right. Uh,
2: so one of the things with IoT, you know, you, you said exactly right, sensors, Internet of Things or IoT, industrial Internet of Things, One of the first thing you notice, Ledge, is that the amount of data (laughs) explodes because the sensor could send out every minute, every 30 seconds, every 15 seconds,
1: nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's just piles and piles of of text, right? I mean, essentially, that's what's happening, yeah.
2: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. So what we used to think was big amount of data. now it's about that's only one hour. <laughs> one hour we get that much data. And the nature of data
1: <laughs> collection going from batch or some kind of middleware type of disposition to now streaming real-time data from the edge. And I mean, uh, one piece of equipment's got to have a ton of different sources, right, built into oh. it. You're talking about the central computer and then sensors all over the thing. I mean, you must just be... Drowning in streaming data, even from a single piece of equipment.
2: Absolutely, Ledge. Uh, so uh, there's a, there's a, there's a huge amount of data. We, we process hundreds of millions of data points a day now, right? So what we used to think, well, that's huge data, like multiple gig. Now it's like, ah, oh, right,
0: whatever.
1: <laughs> now it's not enough to have big data. Now we have lakes of data. You know, I don't know if a I don't know if a lake is. Is a lake bigger than we would big? I'm not sure, but, you know. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're right. So one, one of the interesting things is, uh, you, you're right, streaming data, right? The demand for speed is also there. So we deal with equipment. We also deal with trucks on the road. And you can't have latency, like minutes of latency. So in old days, a little bit of latency is okay, right? You, somebody types it in. You see in the report a day later, you're happy. That's what you were talking about, the batch process. Yep, if I see processing. it tomorrow morning, we're good. Here's a problem. If you have three-minute delay, so that truck is three miles, if they're driving the speed limit, <laughs> three miles sometimes or even faster than that, uh, three miles down the road. So the customer is going to give us a call and say, well, no, our truck is not there. <laughs> it's, it's three miles down the road. This is useless. So um, a lot of things, not everything, of course, a lot of things in our world in this huge amount of data is actually measured in seconds or subseconds. So uh, right now, our, our engineering is, uh, is amazing. Uh, I gave them uh, a big goal at the time they were scared, three seconds, right? So once the data hit our server, three seconds, it need to be ready to use. And the, the, uh, when when they first presented that, they were saying, "Well, no, that's not possible. <laughs> this is kind of amount of data." So they 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 they've been absolutely amazing. So we're 0.7 seconds. So when the data hits our server, it's crunched, processed,
1: ready to go. 0.7 seconds. And I imagine that the evolution of uh, of cloud computing has been tremendous for that type of thing. I mean, you couldn't have even moved the data from the edge at that speed you know 10 years ago so uh, five years no. ago even so yeah you must have um all kinds of uh, evolution around you know the ability to even just move if not even just process the data right absolutely i mean now you have i don't know how many cores 32 64 right? we, we got so many servers it's the way we Server used to talk about gigabytes servers. of ram is now cores <laughs> you know
2: so, yeah. right 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 now we're like Back then, there's two. Two is like, oh right. my gosh, dual processor, <laughs> no, right, 30, right. 32 64 cores. Yeah, no problem.
1: <laughs> so we're data nerding out, but behind all that yeah. is a is a business, right? And Absolutely. you know, I, I I'm curious about the path to niching that happened to your business. And I talk about niching a lot with you know sort of business development clients and in in marketing and sales. Some people figure that out early, and some people have to you know, sort of work around and and it happens to their, their business. And if I, if I hear your story correctly, it was happenstance you know, sort of the luck of saying, Hey, an early client introduced us really to a niche. We did a good job there and we sort of were able to pivot and specialize in it. Did you think ahead of time that that was an opportunity or did the market really, you know, just sort of expose that to you in, in good fortune? Well, you ask really good questions. So
2: That's a big topic that's always on my mind. So we got into it sort of by accident, right? So we did a great job and we were helping our customers and they said, well, help our customers. This is great, help our customers. So we got in. So we got into this space. And once we got in, uh, we, we of course brought in a new perspective, data. So this space has not always been data focused, it has been more hardware focused. So I put devices that do a lot of things. It's very fancy. I make a new device. that's even fancier. Uh, but we come in uh, sort of like focused on how to connect everything. Like the, back then, the ind- individual computers were powerful. If you talk about old days, it's when they are connected that becomes even more powerful. So that's our expertise. So we start getting the data. We are able to process the. We're able to deliver it a better way, and more importantly, we're able to connect to different systems, to business systems, to everywhere. So, some of the data that's collected from machine, in the old old way, uh, people have to retype it into their business system. So, we solved that problem. And as you already noticed, that I geek out right, I'm an engineer by training, and I love those kind of things. So that's that's another sort of a big Process thinking process I'm going through this might be helpful to the audience if it is great. So I geek out and our customer come with all kinds of requests, right? So essentially, can you can you get that sensor to measure the oil pressure here? Can you can you notify me when that combines with that? So I geek out, I get really happy and start working on those things. But once we got into it, this is, this is more related to actually business side. So once I got into it, I start realizing. The reality is a little bit different in our space. So I talked to uh, a company that built big highways and just finished a project in Phoenix. That's where our office is. So uh, Nick is the guy who, who manages equipment there. So he said, well, I was assigned to the project. It came to Phoenix. And we got to build this highway 20 miles long. I got to bring 800 pieces of equipment to here. So I know I need telematics, right? I I don't even know where they are. I can't be driving down 20 miles trying to find everything and make sure that I I have the right thing at the right place. So I needed telematics. So I get six different companies come talk to me, which is wonderful, right? But they each have different devices that do different things, different number of wires and different software and different apps. I don't have the time, right? I got to get 800 machines in on time. The project got to be on time, otherwise we get fined each day, that's late. And so I had to pick one, so I picked one. And so my first problem, he said, was actually, I couldn't get my people to come for training. So that's the supers, the foreman, all the people who need to use the program, I can't get them to come. For training. And I don't blame them, he said, right? So they're thinking about how much concrete I got to bring for this overpass that's going to curve this way. We got to do that. How many people are going to be here? Do I have certified operators? Do I, do I have those things, right? So they're not thinking about, well, at this moment, I got a tight deadline. I got to learn a new software. So he said, that was my first problem. My second problem was that, you know, after a whole day's of work, I start us about six o'clock, by 4.30, I have to go out and figure out why some of the sort of machines are not reporting. So when you put the device on it, sometimes there's all kinds of reasons why it's not reported. It's not put in right. The machine is under, in a shop, under a metal building, right? So just like your cell phone, so it doesn't report. So, you know, I, I, I feel like I start a second job at 4.30. Driving down 20 miles trying to figure out where the machine is, because if it's not reporting, I don't know where it is. I just know where it approximately it was yesterday. So, you know, I lose my life, basically, right? I don't have I don't have time for my kids. Um, I don't I I miss all those things. So that sort of hit me really hard. We we work hard, we love what we do, but we're not helping people to the extent that I like to. And our team is amazing, and they all really bought in to help people, right? So we go above and beyond for our customers. I mean, our VP will be up three o'clock in the morning trying to chase down stolen equipment if that's what happens, right? If that's what's needed, they'll get up at three a.m. They'll do whatever it takes. We recover so many pieces of equipment. So I, I really feel like we could take this company to next level. So what we thought about is okay. I mean. They're really busy. They got machines to move. They got concrete to pour in, a, I don't know, thousands or tens of thousands of tons of concrete to pour. They got a tight deadline. And what if we provided everything in a different way? So what if we did everything for them? So I had many conversations with our customers. And what do you need in the end, right? So in the end, they just need two things. They just want to get notification to say, you need to do something, move this piece of machine, return this rental, something is stolen because it's moving for some reason at 2 a.m. or you need to service the machine, maintenance service, or the machine's got problems, whatever. That's one thing they want. The second is I just need to see where they are if there's any problem, right? So you can light up some machines to say, hey, this machine is not going to be operable tomorrow or you should have returned this one. you didn't. And that's basically it. So we created, re, sort of reinventing ourselves to create a new tier of service so that all we talk to people rather than we have 30 different devices, which one uses which and how many wires and all that stuff we're talking to our customer about results, right? So you're gonna get those alerts delivered to those people. You're gonna get those reports delivered to those people. They don't have to use software. They don't have to log in and they don't have to worry about what device, how to install, anything. We manage everything from there. So, so you know, if you talk about business, right? So we were, we were lucky enough to get thrown into a situation. That's really cool. Um not, not just the technology. I, I really like this vertical, the people, South of the Earth people who built basically this country and everything that right? we use. The houses, and, um, the big buildings, skyscrapers, bridges, everything that built that. And um it's just it's just been cool. But even here, right? I think it's a continual process of reinvent, reinventing, reinventing, reinventing. I, I, I just feel like this way we could Give people value multiple times than how we were doing it. Very much like oil chains, right? So moving towards just have somebody else do
1: it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you talk about, because I think this this might be interesting and important. When you talk about notify people where they are, what's what's actually the, the the mechanism of this? When you're talking about a notification or a report. How is it delivered and sent to them?
2: Oh, good question. So uh, typically you, you've got three different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So you can get it in email. Mm-hmm. You can get it in text message. You can get it in a little badge on your app. Like if you want to use the app.
1: If right? you wanted to use the app. If you
2: want to yeah. use the app. So uh, because the lessons we learned working with our customers is like a lot of the people who need the information, they don't want to learn. They don't have time. Um, they got so much to worry about. So many people coming onto the job site, make sure they're safe. and Job gets done on time and get the right equipment, something broken, got to bring the rental in right away. I, 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 totally, I totally respect all that. I mean, the, what the kind of pressure they have. So the way it is, is that you get a text message, most default method for the notification. Hey, you got to do something or the machine you ordered is here. Coming this afternoon, right? Then they don't have to worry. Okay, it's coming. Somebody got it. Great. Okay, I arrange my crew a certain way. They'll keep busy this morning. This afternoon, the machines will be here. So the machine will be here. That'd be great. Um, then the reports are generally delivered in email because they're bigger, right? So that way, no logging to software. You just open up the report and it's organized in the way you want. The red section, something you really need to pay attention to if you don't have time. The yellow section. Okay, pay attention. But if you're too busy, get the red. Done. Then green if you want to know.
1: Right, right. So I I love this and I, I want to pause and just make this point for the engineering and technical founders who are obsessed with new technology and always want to, you know, sort of this idea of disruption or coming into a dinosaur industry of some sort. And this happens everywhere and trying to impose the best technical solution upon a workforce. Like So here you have the lowest common denominator way of putting the most advanced data analytics in the hands of the actual user. And that happened because you talked to customers, really talked to customers and applied your lean and sort of engineering thinking against what is the actual problem here what is the actual value that these folks would want and it it does not turn out to be a technological problem you have abstracted technology from them and put in their hands just the actual value that they want using really the lowest common denominator and there's no software so like that's an elegant, Solution, And I think so much of this, you know, we're going to disrupt or we're going to, you know, and it happens in banking and schools and technology, uh, equipment, you know, manufacturing, like so many of these legacy industries, you know, that we talk about in startup land and we kind of turn our noses up like this is the real issue is that you don't disrupt by breaking you disrupt by making better and adding Value. I would love if you would, would comment on that.
2: Oh, that, that's very well said, right? Like, you know, I, I'm, I, I was uh, still recovering one of those people, right? Technologist to this degree. I, I still have to catch myself. Somebody say, well, can you do that? Wow, that's cool. Let's go do that. So what I keep thinking about, right, is true value to the customer. If you're in business. So if, if, if I were in school. Doing research, that's different, right? See if I'm in MIT or something. Uh, doing research, that's totally different. And you should push the boundary of human capability. That, that's got nobility in it as well, right? You push the boundary of human capability and uh, you find things that have never been found for humanity, that's amazing. But what we do in business is that we gotta create real value to people. And so a lot of it is back to the old 80-20 rule, right? So if you do the 20% right, you give them 80% of value. So I've been, I'm, I'm offender, I've been focused quite a bit of time on the other side, all right? 80% of the effort and focus on only 20% of useful. So yeah, absolutely, that's very well said. Yeah, it's a big problem for, for people who are really good at technology. We just do it, right?
1: Oh, we'll do it. And like you said, it's it's phenomenally interesting. You know, like Absolutely. I want to solve those problems as if I'm in the lab pushing, you know, the boundaries of physics and electronics and, you know, and all these things. And what we have learned and you said you were an ERP, you know, early on. Right. So what we've yeah. learned from technology implementation in the field is. Um, Unfortunately, there are always humans. And (laughs) this is who we're building software for. And change management is the biggest hole in the system. No one wants to learn your software. No one wants to change how they're doing anything. And the vast majority of putting the solution into a a high adoption curve would be not to expose the solution. To rather to expose the value in a, a high empathy way. And I don't know how you could do that without turning off your brain and having real human conversations with customers, which took you out of the engineering seat. You didn't get to play maybe with as much technology anymore. How did you balance the passions there?
2: Yes. Well, yes, that's such good questions. I think the the other passion I have and our team have is the passion to serve. right? I mean, if I really, really wanted to push boundaries, I would have stayed in universities, right? But I'm coming out to do this, um, because the early days that I, I felt it's so great when 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 you're able to do something for somebody. And they say, wow, that 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 was amazing for me, right? That was amazing for me. I could not have done it myself. And thank you. So I tasted that early. So that became another passion, right? So luckily, that luckily it turned out that way. So that passion sort of took over a little bit. And you know, so now you're thinking, okay, how do I really serve our customer? And you know, we just keep throwing technology you don't always get, wow, that really helped me. It's like, well, that was helpful, but it, it still cost me a lot of time to sort of get this thing working, right? So that's the current state. Yeah, that, that takes time. Yeah, I have to have a dedicated person. Sometimes I don't have to get that working. Yeah, I, I, I see. I see. That could be helpful. So, yeah. So I think it's the other passion sort of, Took over a little bit, and and then there's also uh, like, there's also like you said, elegance and grace in doing sort of the twenty percent well. That's that's not always easy, right? Um, like Apple said, you know, when, when somebody opens up an Apple product, the way it, their intention, right, is, wow, they already thought about this. Wow, they already thought about that rather than open up and say, well, what do I have to do now? <laughs> okay, do I have to call support? Or do I have to find out how to do this? I and mean, then why doesn't this work and, and, and all that? So yeah, it's just a different philosophy. And I think moving forward, the technology is advancing so fast. Moving forward, I think there's a value in that bridge, right? How, you, how do we bring that? technology that's moving so fast to people in a way that doesn't consume them time to try to figure it out. They can just use it in a way that's like, wow, that helped me. I was different from yesterday even. Wow, right? And that in itself, there's also like a lot of uh, reward in in being able to do that. So if you sort of turn your engineering mind a little bit that way, It's a different kind of challenge. It's actually not easy to make things easy.
1: (laughs) Right, right. It's uh, it's simple, but it's not easy and vice versa. Right. Yeah. So and and technology can manage to make things dramatically more difficult. (laughs) You are right. (laughs) Now we we have the capability to do amazing things and solve problems that we never even imagined we'd be able to solve, which by nature has, you know, many more magnitudes of problems that we can cause yeah. <laughs> and, and things that we, therefore we can access, you know, sort of pieces of the, the universe that we could never access before. And I think that's, you know, the dilemma of, of having all this stuff. And it's so human because you get to manage a team along that, you know, it, and it grows when it grows to a meaningful scale, you have dozens of humans. And hundreds of pieces of equipment, and you can do things that you never thought was possible. So you get to focus on customer needs, and you know, service, and making the world kind of a better place. And take 800 machines worth of data and figure out how a foreman can see his kids better at night. And those are not uh, domains that you would ever find in your, you know, sort of lab-based engineering. Uh, making life better. Right. Um, Let me shift gears and ask you about, you know, you, you had founded sort of multiple things and, you know, your journey as an entrepreneur. One of the pieces I'm always very interested in is you founded a company, presumably with you and one or two other people, you know, generally it's (laughs) around a, around a coffee table in a garage, you know, what have you choose your metaphor. Where did the people and team come from and how did you build when you had to take things out of your brain and make, you know, a sort of organizational unit, right? Like a, a vision and a, a mission that combines other people. I'm always interested. Where did, where did they come from and how did you really build a bigger thing? Because hiring people is the hardest challenge. Build, finding a way to build an organization and get stuff out of your founder brain that other people can do. I I have found that the most difficult piece. Well, you're right. It is.
2: Yeah, we started uh, a piece of napkin, <laughs> literally. It was a piece of napkin. Uh, I drew over a dinner, a lunchtime. <laughs> so that's how we found it. Yes. Um, as we start to scale, that's that's um, another thing I had to learn. So. There are a lot of advantages to understand technology, especially in today's world, right? So if you look out um, into the horizon, you see a lot of tech companies funded by tech people. They are not always the best, at least starting out, understanding how, how do I get a team together? How do I sort of bond them together for a common mission? It's It's something, at least for me as a technologist, I, I had to learn. So it didn't come naturally, right? Uh, so uh, it's a lot of pain, <laughs> honestly. It was a lot of pain, and I didn't understand a lot of the human emotion the way I needed to in the beginning, right? So I understood machine a lot better, like like most engineers. But But again, it's passion, right? So I guess I made two big turning points in my life. And I was offered full scholarship to uh, to do physics by uh, Nobel winning, Nobel Prize winning physicist, and turned that down. And that was the first turning point in my life, because I wanted to serve. Uh, I didn't want to go push the boundary with a few people in the lab, which I could do. So I so I came into business. Then the second turning point is that when I first came into business, I had sort of the um, single man, <laughs> bad model, right? So I, I I did a lot of this stuff and it's me, right? Not our people. I blocked a lot of other sort of paths and it's like, well, this way, this way, this way. Then it just asks people to do what they need to, to be done. So that worked for a little while. Like you said, well, you have three people. Yeah, that, that works. <laughs> we have six people. Probably works. Right. So once you get more, that become problematic thing I start realizing is that I become the bottleneck, right? Even though I'm capable, there's two major problems. Uh, one is an illusion, because I'm good at technology. There's no doubt uh, in my mind, right? But that doesn't mean I'm good at everything, I'm not. But you tend to think, if you're suc- really successful in something, you think, oh, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. Yes, you can, but you might not be that good <laughs> quite honestly, and that that's sort of the the first thing. The second thing I started to realize is we got bigger. I don't have all the details anymore either. I used to know everything about everything, so okay, so I wasn't good at everything. My judgment was okay, <laughs> decent, kept us moving forward, but now I'm seeing that you know it's hindrance <laughs> I, I'm Sometimes they come up with our team come up with an idea. Say, "Well, no, you got to do it that way." Uh, I was wrong, (laughs) not because I couldn't be right, but it would have taken me a lot longer to understand everything. And then I start to understand the the aspect of the motivation, right? The opposite of motivation. When when we hire really smart people, they come up with really good solutions. And somebody go there and say, well, yeah, no, not you go go north, go north, right? And that's demotivating. So then the next time they're like, well, you decide then, whatever. You decide. So I made all those classic errors
1: that engineers typically make. Oh, I think that everybody makes. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, not it just was engineers. Uh,
2: I mean in the in the middle of it, it was painful. It, it's Sort of like you're in a place you really couldn't see, you know, something is wrong, but you couldn't quite sort of see and figure it out. That's the most frustrating moments. Um, luckily, I had a lot of good mentors for me to, to help me gradually, gradually understand. And uh, we're we're in a different place now and uh, it's continually evolving, right? So I'm a lot happier um, our team is amazing, amazing people making amazing decisions. Um, that's the way I dreamed. I literally dreamed that. Didn't think it was possible or not, because I, I really was not that great in doing that portion. So so that was a huge thing to overcome and really, really happy about it.
1: That's awesome. Well, great, great story. Gosh, I can't do better than that. So I hope everybody <laughs> I hope everybody's listening because that, that evolution of you know when you finally screw it up enough times that you you know why and you can you know do that pattern matching i mean you talk about big data right you have to <laughs> you have to blow up a whole bunch of stuff to realize and have the the thought process that if i do thing x thing y tends to happen and uh, there are many many variables in in startups and just you can see that the fact that anybody that does something successfully almost always blows up the next one, you know, except the very rare people that can seem to get hit after hit and uh we mythologize those people uh but I would bet that you know they just don't uh hang their failures out uh, on the line as much as maybe the rest of us have to do so. <laughs>
2: yeah you're right and also usually you blow up a couple before you succeed too
1: right right yeah right? absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah. i uh, i have caused my my fires and uh you know uh, if if you ever get called an expert in something it's probably because you just screwed it up more times than, <laughs> than anybody else did so. you're
0: right.
2: well you're
1: right. yeah i love this chat we could do this all day uh tell me just uh take a a minute or two and say, where are you going? You know, we, uh, things are not done yet. The story and the adventure continues. So uh, yourself in the CEO seat and, and the company, what do you see happening now as you, you know, put your futurist hat on a little bit? Yeah, so I think
2: future is continuously evolving, especially in technology, right? So I was asked once, you know, what's your five-year plan? Give me your five-year roadmap uh, for your software. And the answer I had was, well, our our program runs on iPhone, runs on a lot of stuff that we don't even know what it looks like in October when the new iPhone comes out. So how can I give you that? So I think that the the constant there is continuous change and adaptation, right? So I think in the future, a couple of things for us, one is um, unyielding focus on our mission, which is to uh, manage technology efficiently for our customers to give them time back. So we talk about the benefit of technology, right? So originally we were delivering technology, so we were going at it. So eventually we changed to, we deliver the benefit of technology. It doesn't matter what technology it delivers, as long as the benefit is there, that's all it matters. And so that become our mission, right? So what what's the benefit? So if you simplify, quantify, it, it's time for us. So deliver, give time back. So so with that mission, so right now, I mean, what we can see is our full service program, right? That gives a lot of time back to our customer. And I'm sure it'll continue to evolve uh, as the technology comes as, as so, so right now, the machines are ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent run by human. In five to ten years, that percentage will change. It'll decrease, right? A bunch of them will be autonomous machines. Some of them are already running it in in mines and places like that. And so, how you provide value is going to be different. So that that's that's just something I think as a as a CEO. Uh, one of your job is to make sure that strategically you continue to evolve with it to provide customer value. And I think the other thing, the job of CEO is is the culture, the team, right? So, so when people come to join us, uh, we want to make sure we're aligned. You know, they are passionate about, yeah, I want to give time back to customers for the things I do, right? And also we want to make sure to the maximum extent possible, the time they have with us is, is valuable, uh, as part of their life journey. So they, they can think back or, you know, some, some of them staying for a long time. That's fantastic. And, uh, uh, basically, well, wow, that was the worst. Well, I learned a lot. I've grown a lot and I've done a lot that I can see the results and the matters. And, and I think if we can provide that to our employees and provide value to our customers i think i think that would that would for me define success
1: well stated i hope everybody's taking notes out there we're going to get some good stuff out of this uh dale we often have listeners who want to get in touch and talk uh what is the best way to reach you and uh, the company
2: oh absolutely so um you can always find me on linkedin uh dale Hanna just just search for foresight intelligence and you know, I love to talk to people. Um, you can shoot me an email, com, And uh, yeah, love to chat with people of all kinds. Like like you mentioned, Ledge, I'm, I'm part of EO, I'm, I'm around a lot of other founders and people and we, we help each other move forward.
1: We sure appreciate you hanging out with us today and, and thanks for all the insights. Well, thank you so much, Ledge. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. You can see the show notes and more links from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.